Welcome back to Conversations in the Word. My name is Nick Funderburk. I'm the Associate Pastor of Discipleship here at First Baptist Dothan. And today I'm joined by another pastor at First Baptist Dothan. Trey, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about what your role is here? Uh, maybe what your previous role here was and what your uh, new role will be. Yeah, absolutely. So since uh, March of 2020, I've been serving as the associate pastor to students um, here at First Baptist Dothan. And uh, um, at about four o'clock today, I guess it'll be official, but I will uh, <laughs> be transitioning into the role of associate pastor to to families here. Like so. a transformer just That's unfolding right. before That's our right. eyes. That's right. At 4.01 p.m., just get ready. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure what will happen then, but... Uh, so what does that mean? So just yeah. briefly, we'll get into it more, I'm sure. For sure. But uh, briefly, what, is a, what does a family pastor do? Yeah, so uh, looking at um, ministry to families in the sense of not focusing on one primary age group or one demographic, but looking at how the church can really partner with families as they seek to disciple um, uh Parents, their children, parents see, uh, seeking to grow in their own personal um, walks, parents seeking to be um, the godly disciplers that God has called them to to be. And so um, instead of it being my previous role, being more focused on the stage of life where you are in 7th through 12th grade and walking with parents and students through that particular stage, uh, this role would be more of an um, oversight of that birth all the way through 12th grade and really wanting to communicate to parents that we are with you from the time that you dedicate your baby and really even earlier, but Mm -hmm. from that point all the way to uh, high school graduation, we want to make sure that we are locking arms um, with you and just what is, I mean, for any parents, I mean, it is a wild ride. So uh, just want to make sure that we're walking alongside them well. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, the, the central theme of this conversation will focus around just parenting teenagers. Yeah. So I know that your your focus now is not just on teenagers. Yeah. It's kids from birth to graduation and then beyond, you know, maybe when they have kids mm-hmm. of their own. Yeah. But uh, speaking specifically towards um, students in, in your own current student ministry, what kind of led you to uh, wanting to be a student pastor? Yeah, so I... Really, my call to ministry was one that I fought for a very long time. It was um, something that I was able to really observe in opportunities that God gave me just in my growing up in the church and getting to take mission trips and um, having a couple of um, internship opportunities in um, late high school and college, and then even in the college, some opportunities to serve. There was a common thread of getting to work with children and students, and um, uh, I, at the time, would have said, yeah, God has gifted me in those ways and given me passions um, to to, to do that, but uh, uh, I never would have called it a call to ministry, and so I thought it was more of a vocational calling um, 
to where I was going career-wise in the secular world. And so I pursued a degree in uh, kindergarten through 12th grade uh, teacher certification. And um, and so I was uh, working towards being a health and PE teacher. Um, <laughs> uh, hadn't quite landed on where I was going to go um, elementary or uh, secondary, but was kind of on that track. And God just flipped those plans um, on the their head and uh, just through really some uh, spirit-filled people um, in my life, pointing me not only to my own life experiences, but also to to scripture and to, and to really seeking God personally. Because what I realized in my last semester of college was that I was not seeking God's will for my life. Instead, I was taking bits and pieces of um, his will and trying to kind of put those on top of uh my own plan, and I wasn't fully surrendering to what he was calling me to. So that just turned into me realizing that God had not just given me an excitement and gifting, giftings and a passion to work with students, but that he was calling me to do it through his local church. And so um, that led me to, uh, you know, apply to seminary and then um, eventually um, also work at a church in um, as a student minister. So this, I mean, probably gets us off track a little bit, but what do you say to somebody who says, Trey, I feel called to work with students, but I don't think I'm called to quit my job or I don't think I'm called to be a vocational pastor. How can I get involved serving um, and helping teens? Oh, absolutely. Well, one thing I always say is you can never give students and teens access to too many quality Christ-following adults. And so yeah. uh, there there are so many studies that um, have been done, so many lo- uh, longitudinal studies done by Lifeway and done by Pew and other places where um, it really points to data-driven uh, research that says that students, young people, especially um, in their developing years, there's strong evidence for the number of adults that are pouring into them on a regular basis. This can be in the form of a teacher or a small group leader or somebody who is greeting them every week and just knows knows their name. It can be a coach or a teacher or something like that. There are so many ways to have an impact on a young person besides maybe being a Sunday school teacher, although that is a super cool and awesome Mm -hmm. way to to do that. So I think um, one of the ways that I have just seen, and this really goes for all forms of discipleship and uh, really relationships as a whole, but proximity builds relationship. And so putting Christ-following adults who have a desire to see young, young adults and students know Christ more, putting them in close proximity to each other. So that can be through a community group. That can be through um, serving pizza on a Wednesday night. That can be through chaperoning a trip. That can be um, through um, just kind of being around um, the students and making yourself available. Because students notice who the adults Mm. are in in their life and the people who show up even when it's hard, even when yeah. they don't give you a lot back. And so I'm so impressed when I just uh, stand at the, the foyer door in Sunday morning as students come in to see all those men who are there regularly greeting, yeah. know every one of the students' names yes, and know them well, uh, know what's going on in their lives. And they don't interact with them much more than just right there. But you can For see sure. just kind of the intentional um, desire that those adults have to, to know them and, and let them know that they are known. 
Um, and it's, it really, I do really believe it has an impact on them. So. Absolutely. No, there is something powerful about being called by name, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a huge um, uh, picture of Jesus calling us yeah. by our name, right? Calling us to himself, right? Um, and so we, in a very, I mean, obviously, a, 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 a dim reflection of that, have an opportunity to give students and really give anybody that value by looking them in the eye, calling them by name, uh, can have a huge impact on how they view church, how they view um, the body of the body of Christ as a whole. Well, that let's let's go into that a little bit because I think something that is key to our understanding of student ministry. I think you and I agree with this. I don't think it was culturally something that people cared about so much when we were growing up. But the idea that students are a part of the church. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, um, students had. You know, well, you know, similar. We we have our own floor here, but students had their own kind of building that mm-hmm. they were in, and uh, they were fine to do whatever they wanted over there, so long as they didn't mess up anything mm-hmm. in the rest of the church. You know, especially okay. uh, certain uh, older areas of the church. Yeah. And so, when we when we refer to students and to student ministry, we have to be careful about separating the idea of the body of Christ from this group over here. And so how do, how do we um, help our students understand that they are a part of the church? And then yeah. also, how do we help integrate them into the rest of the, the church? Absolutely. Well, uh, just that word I uh, mentioned earlier is, is, is definitely key to not only looking at student ministry as a whole, but also looking at how can we as a body really look like one body and not multiple smaller mm-hmm. bodies. And that's just that concept of uh, proximity, right? Our, our, our kids who are in school are going and spending hours and hours and hours a day um, kind of in a place where they're with a lot of other people their age, but they are kind of in their own spot, right? Um, there's a whole other world of um, adults who are working, who are doing a lot of other things. They have exposure to, you know, dozens of t- teachers and stuff like that. Yeah. But for the most part, there's an adult world, and then there's a student or kid world. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's not uncommon for that concept to be applied to the church. And so what can happen even with the best of um, intentions is we can create these silos where proximity becomes even harder to Mm -hmm. build. And so um, having spaces for students and kids that they can call their own is a, is a great concept because they can have ownership um, in a sense that they don't really have a ton of ownership of a lot of things. They don't probably own their house, right? Mm -hmm. They may, you know, have a car, but they probably didn't pay for it or own it, right? That's a little bit of an outlier situation if they do. And so for them to have a space that they can call their own, that they can feel comfortable, I think everybody loves having a space that is comfortable for them. But we do run the risk of when we create these spaces, we've created a wall um, in between these spaces, whether there's a physical wall or sometimes just a um, just an um, invisible wall that um, adults feel like that that's the student floor. I can't mm-hmm. cross over into that. Or the students say, well, that's not the student floor. That's not my um, yeah. area. And so if we aren't careful, we can kind of – we can kind of per- we can perpetuate that just um, in our habits. So, building habits of creating those moments of of 
proximity, mm-hmm. um, whether that be through um, um, intentional uh, uh, relationships um, uh, that you can kind of foster through um, adults. I think there is a strong biblical mandate for obviously the large corporate gathering. Um, but yeah. then also we see Jesus in his personal model of d- 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 discipleship. Obviously we have um, kind of him being followed by crowds, mm-hmm. him having his 12 within that 12, kind of having a three that he was um, intentionally um into and then John is always fond of letting us know that he was also the one who Jesus loved and said there was the one so even in Jesus's model of discipleship we see that we go from that big gathering into the more intentional relationships and the trick with discipleship is that it doesn't happen by accident yep. and so it doesn't happen passively so we don't get in proximity with people that we are different than or people that we don't maybe have as many things in common with, like age, stage of life, gender, socioeconomic status, personal opinions on things, we don't naturally gravitate towards them um, Mm -hmm. in our flesh because what the world and maybe what the enemy would like us to think is that because we're different, there's nothing that we have in common. But we see in the early church, Acts 2, they had all things in common. Mm-hmm. Not that they were all the same. They had the Holy Spirit inside of them giving them all things in common. And so they were breaking bread together. They were spending time in the Word together. They were um, dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching, yeah. right? So so all that was happening with people who really had no business doing anything together. And so the church does, has a really cool opportunity to instead of conforming to what the world is doing and separating everybody by age, demographic, political views, personal opinions yep. on whatever, we have the opportunity to flip the script and instead say, we have all things in common because we are serving and learning and digging into the truth about one spirit, one God, one body. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, let's, let's kind of, kind of move on towards discipling mm. these students. So what yeah. is your what is your process or what is your philosophy of ministry really from taking a kid uh, who just in, comes into this into the student ministry in the yeah. 7th grade? What's your goal for that student once they graduate, you know, and yeah. and head off to to college? What's your process for I guess uh, maturing them in the faith and and um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, d- discipleship is not a static process. And I think um, sometimes, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, um, we can sometimes put people in a position where if we can just get them in the same room, right? If we can get them in the room, then the concepts, the principles, all these things will just somehow seep in and take root, right? And yep. and while, yes, there is a ton of benefit to teaching and, and, um, and exposing um, really anyone to write a biblical-based teaching. Discipleship happens in motion, and that happens when a more mature believer, so at least a couple steps ahead of another one, right, Mm -hmm. comes alongside another believer or another couple, right, of believers and and does life with them and Mm -hmm. does life in a way that points to the truth of Scripture, points to regularly practicing spiritual disciplines, points to um, really plugging in to what the body of Christ has to to, to offer. So you're worshiping together. You're digging into the Word together. You're serving together. I know for students, um, 
it can be um, unintentional sometimes, and and um, and there's places for it, right, um, to do things for students. But I think having an opportunity for students, especially students who have maybe grown up in a church background um, in Dothan, really a lot of people have been around church or church adjacent uh, mm-hmm. for um, a lot of their life. And so they've been in a lot of teaching situations. And so as uh, students mature, and there doesn't have to be quite a one-to-one or one-to-two ratio of um, adults to kids or students, right? Mm-hmm. You're able to put them in positions to get out of their comfort zone and to serve. And so yep. some having some discipleship happening through a lot of those practices that just make up our Christian life. So, so really, students come into student ministry. So let's say like our student ministry starts in seventh grade. Every seventh grader is coming in at a different point um, in the spectrum. Really, no one follower of Jesus practices spiritual disciplines in the same way. Some are going to really do well on a regular basis of of diving into God's Word consistently and and deeply and really don't struggle with having that be a habit. Others are going to... maybe really lean into having uh, uh, a, a super disciplined prayer life where uh, they uh, they are seeking the Father through pr- uh, prayer. But the thing is, just because we're strong in one doesn't mean that we're able to neglect th- the others. That is how we are feeding ourselves spiritually. John In John 15, when Jesus talks about us being connected to the vine, that connection happens through us actively practicing all of those spiritual disciplines that we are called to do. So walking with our students and helping them to plug into those spiritual disciplines, um, most effectively that happens through kind of grafting students onto older um, Christians who are, who are, who are practicing those things. So I regularly encourage our community group leaders to, as they are teaching to also um, make sure that they're that they are communicating. Here's how this looks in my life. Here's how I'm practicing this. Here's where I struggle, and here's where I have to maybe bring other people um, alongside me to, to do that. And so, um, so there's no one size fits all um, approach yep. to, to 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 discipling students, but we're all called to be disciples. And so mm-hmm. that that being a disciple. Um, has all the same components for everybody, um, but how um, how that looks to um, get one student from point A to point B is something that is a more um, individualized process, and you know where that is through building relationships um, yeah. with those s- s- students. So you uh, mentioned earlier about the relationship mm. or the the partnership that you will have with parents mm. in kind of building them up and yeah. equipping them to disciple their kids. Could you could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Absolutely. So obviously, um, as a minister, as a pastor, um, as uh, as a as a uh, youth worker comes up here, right, um, it would be impossible for any one of us, right, to be the primary discipler of all of the students who come through our student ministry. In fact, it would actually go against who the Bible does mandate to be the primary discipler yep. of of kids, right? Christian parents are called to be the primary discipler of 
of their kids. And um, what happens, and this usually happens um, accidentally, it's not um, intentionally, is that most Christian parents right now, there's a lot of research out there that would point to a lot of accidental discipleship happening through just kind of habits of doing a lot of the right things, like being plugged into church, um, uh, uh, being plugged into a uh, group of people that are studying God's Word together um, through praying together um, on a regular basis. Maybe not, um, you know, outside of praying for um, meals or uh, praying corporately as a church. And so what ends up getting lost is what happens outside of the church building? What happens outside of us going to the church and maybe having what some people may consider a professional Christian, like a pastor or a um, minister, um, pouring into their kids. Um, what happens after that? And um, what a lot of surveys show is that there that this is not a new problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a new problem for maybe parents to not feel totally equipped to d- disciple their kids. And so, um, so one thing that we, as the church, as ministers of the gospel, as pastors, um, that we are able to do and, and that we are called to do is to equip the saints for the work of the kingdom for parents. That work is making sure that their kids are being discipled, not by somebody else, but by them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the main barrier is that maybe some parents, um, can look at ways that they can, be growing personally, that they can be discipled. Maybe, maybe they've never seen discipleship modeled um, in their own life, and so they are trying to um, lead um, in the best way that um, that um, they know how. So, all that to say, if it's essential for parents to be d- d- discipling their kids, and there is a um, general or common. Um, maybe hesitancy to actually do that, then the church can step into that gap and say, what can we do to come alongside parents, meet you where you are, just like we're, we're meeting students where they are when they come into our student ministry, where can, how can we meet you where you are and help to make you the primary discipler of your kid, help to yep. equip you to be the primary discipler of your kid so that what we're doing is just is just auxiliary is just coming alongside what's already happening at home, and so um, our role as the church is not just to kind of toss kids t- to their parents and say, "Hope y'all figure it out," <laughs> but our role is to come alongside parents just as strongly as we are coming alongside students. Let's give a quick practical step. Then, what's something that what's kind of a low hanging fruit that a parent could do? You know, say they've they realize now after hearing you talk. In this moment, mm. they are not discipling their kids the way that they feel like they should. They've ne- they never have. They don't have any practice or experience. Uh, they don't. They're not even sure what you mean yeah. by the term disciple uh, in relationship to their child. Yeah. How can they do that? So, what's kind of a, a first step? Hey, today this is what you can do mm-hmm. to begin that process to kind of get the ball rolling. Absolutely. Well, uh, being a being a disciple obviously consists of following these spiritual disciplines, of practicing these spiritual disciplines on a regular which are? basis, which are praying, reading scripture, worshiping together, fasting, giving, serving, those those yeah. those things that 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 just make up following Jesus, right? Because that's what being a being a disciple is, is is being a follower of Christ. So 
if you look at those things, what are ways that you can follow Jesus together with your kids? Mm. Can you read scripture with your kids? Can you pray with your kids? That's that is that is discipling them because you are modeling what it looks like to pray. You are modeling yeah. what it looks like to read scripture. You are modeling what it looks like to serve. And so, um, really, just start with one of those. Don't don't start with all of them um, at once. Pick one of those things. Pick yeah. pick a passage of scripture and. Read it together with one of your kids. If your kids are um, kind of in uh, that preschool, um, elementary age, right? There's a ton of really good um, resources out there that 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 have good pictures for the kids to really um, engage with while you're talking, and kind of good questions to kind of follow up with. And then um, as your kids get older, it gets a little easier to kind of uh, uh, just open a, a a standard translation of God's word and um, and just read it together. And don't worry about having all of the answers to their questions because yeah. that's how Jesus taught yeah. was through well, people asking questions. And it's the Word of God. It yeah. speaks for itself. It's living and active, exactly. sharper than any two-edged sword. So even if you can, even if the extent of your earliest discipleship days is that you simply open oh, the yeah. Word of God and read it together mm-hmm. and just let the Word of God fill your heart mm-hmm. and change you on its own, yeah. let that be the first step. For sure. Yeah, because that's happening in your life, hopefully, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Let that be a part of that happening. Lead mm-hmm. your kids in that happening um, in their own life. How can we teach our uh, children, and I guess especially our, our teenage children in this context, mm-hmm. to uh, to love, not only love God's Word and not only... Uh, see the the personal spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. that we practice, but how can we also love them, uh, teach them to love uh, things like the church mm. and love things like Sunday school and love things like sitting in a worship service with a forty five minute sermon? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think one thing that we're all um, aware of is that kids see everything. Kids hear everything. They observe, right? They're watching you. They're spending a lot of time with you as parents, right? And so uh, things that I don't think that my three-year-old hears me say, she'll repeat later. And luckily, I haven't said anything that uh, that kind of (laughs) ends up being uh, something I have to address in a problematic way later. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Not once. And so um, they also see what you do in not only your personal spiritual disciplines, but how you interact with the local body and with the larger global body of Christ. And so um, if you are practicing love for the church by prioritizing um, um, attendance and active um, engagement, then they will also see that. Uh, If you are prioritizing uh, plugging into a um, multi, you know, g- g- generational or diverse uh, group of Christians on a regular basis and learning from d- different age groups. If you prioritize learning from older Christians, they're going to see that. Mm. If you prioritize pouring into y- y- younger Christians, they are going to see that. And so um, a lot of these corporate disciplines that um, we practice, worship, sitting under teaching, right? How we talk about church, how we talk Mm -hmm. about, or actually, let me just back up, 
talking about it, right? Talking about yeah. it, period, right? How easy is it for us to sometimes hop in the car after church and be so focused on where we're going to lunch that we don't ever yeah. unpack kind of what what just happened? And so, and so if we as adults believe in the power of gathering with the local body on a regular basis— and that has to show up in how we talk about it to our kids because there are a lot of things that while kids might observe it, we get to be a part of helping c- connect those dots. And so it's not just something that we do on Sundays from a certain time to a certain time or Wednesdays from a certain time to a certain time because that's just a part of our schedule, right? It is something that is essential for us as followers of Christ to stay connected to a local body. And so us showing and speaking about our love for the church is just as important as making sure that we talk about our love for Jesus. All right, because we don't want to forget about those who are not quite as fortunate as us to grow up in families that love the church and uh, uh, taught us the gospel from day one. How do we disciple those students that come into the church whose parents are not members, whose parents maybe aren't even Christians? How can we teach them the same thing that we want to teach our children, not only to love God's Word in personal disciplines, but also how to love the church and in corporate disciplines? Yeah. Well, how cool is it that it is so common to hear stories about students who have been invited to church maybe for the first time by another student, by a student stepping out in boldness to want their friends to experience Jesus in the same way that that they are. Obviously, there's a lot of things that are broken by 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 sin. And so one of the things that is broken is that not every young person, not every person who comes to know Christ is also coming to know Christ in a in a physical um earthly family that also knows Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So so while obviously the ideal method of us growing as Christians would be for us to come to know Christ through our parents sharing Christ with us, but praise God that that is not the only way that people can yeah. come to know Christ. And so, um, so the church does have a role to come alongside, um, for lack of a better term, a spiritual orphan. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, these would be people who do not have parents who know Christ. Super common to have people who come to know Christ and maybe be the only person in their um, in their family, right? Yeah. That is a tough place to be. And so how cool is it that the body of Christ has an opportunity to surround those people and to become their spiritual family? Um, yeah. In a lot of other places um, where culturally and maybe politically and um, something like that, you can be not only just, um, you, you know, maybe shunned at holidays, but 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 kicked out of your family or your or your community for following after Christ. And so when we think about giving it all up to follow after Christ, for a lot of people, that means giving up the relationships mm. that they have with their earthly family in the in the same way that they had before. Because as a follower of Jesus, um, we have to prioritize that over maybe those other earthly 
relationships. And so there's a whole other talk about what does it look like for a teenager to um, mm-hmm. submit to their parents who are not Christians. Um, but that's a whole other podcast episode. Um, for the church, we have an awesome opportunity to surround spiritual orphans mm-hmm. in a way that we in that situation, we would become the primary d- d- disciplers yep. of those of those students, of those kids, of those adults who come to know Christ and don't have um, a parent who is also following after J- Jesus. And so, circling back to just on a practical level, why is it important for Christian parents to, to disciple their kids and not for every kid who comes to church to be primarily discipled at church? Because we do have a spiritual, a, a biblical mandate to, um, to disciple spiritual orphans and we can't do that as effectively if every person who comes in is not being discipled at home and i would add too for for just you know the the average church member in the worship service we've talked about the influence that you have with your children as you worship as you're singing the words and as you are listening to the sermon. If you look at the students up in the in the in the balcony where they normally sit, you know they are not simply just zoned in on the pastor the whole time he's speaking. There's They're looking around see. the room, a lot of things to see. And if they see you in your pew not paying attention, and they know, well, you know, he helps teach a community group, maybe not mine, but he leads one, or he is my community group leader, and he's not even paying attention, mm. or he's not even singing the words to the song. Mm. Um, or, you know, you're, you're a guy who just, you're showing up because your girlfriend invited you to church, which mm. happens all the time. For sure. You see dads in the room who aren't even singing the words to the songs because they don't care enough or they're not interested enough in mm. the song to sing. And you're effectively discipling in the room those students who are in the balcony looking around. Mm. You're either discipling them towards loving the church or you're discipling them from the, uh, from a desire to actually be involved in corporate worship, and so yeah. you can be one of the you can be one of the people who have the opportunity to uh, to specifically pour into these spiritual orphans mm. and and love them, or just by being in the room in the corporate gathering, mm. you have the opportunity along with everybody else in the room to disciple these um, these spiritual orphans as well as your kids next to you, as well as your your grandkids in a different pew. Yeah. Um, you're not in a vacuum when you're in that room. Mm-hmm. You're not an, on an island. Yeah. You are there surrounded by people who, uh, and I, I, we, we, don't want to, um, we don't want to worry about what other people think of us when we worship. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. But we do want to recognize that we are gathering and we are worshiping corporately. So mm-hmm. the way that we worship ministers to those around us, and it ministers to our kids, to our grandkids, to the stranger that came mm-hmm. off the street, and to the students that are in the balcony. Mm-hmm. We have to be aware that we are we are pouring into the people around us sometimes without even um, being aware of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, if we th- if we think about ourselves as a cup being filled up on a regular basis through our practicing of spiritual d- 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 disciplines, through our f- faithful walking with 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 Christ, what spills out of that cup pours onto the people um, around us, right? Mm-hmm. And so that goes for the corporate gathering. So we have an opportunity. And we have a choice to either edify those um, those um, around us, or to um, maybe stay um, uh, within ourselves and 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 uh, and not 
really um, engage. But we just have to be aware of the um, of the um, implications of that, right? Mm -hmm. And again, not to be worried about what other people are thinking about yeah. us, but being aware that as a body, what we do affects other parts of the body. That includes corporate worship. That includes t teaching time. That includes when and how we serve. And so um, students notice um, who who greets them at the door, who is who is worshiping. So does everybody else too. But if we're talking about the discipleship of students, what what easier way could we possibly have than to, to disciple and encourage students by engaging in worship? Trey, this has been an awesome conversation. We could, I mean, we could probably go all day on this, <laughs> but we are, we are definitely out of time. Um, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on Conversations in the Word.